Well, first of all, I want to say I'm thankful for all of you. <laughs> you are an incredible uh, family to serve and to love and lead. Uh, you're just such an encouragement to me. Uh, you inspire me in, in so many different ways. You disciple me. Uh, you're patient with me. <laughs> I really am very grateful. And I just praise God uh, that he put me uh, in this family. Well, let's talk about Black Friday. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. How many Black Friday fans do we have out there? How many out there? Oh, okay. We've got a lot of excitement down here. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know, over the years it's been interesting because I never got into Black Friday, but I don't know, about two years ago, I wanted this TV. And so I can remember sitting at Walmart at 3 in the morning, reading a book, waiting for when I could pick up my TV. That was kind of fun. Sorry, not <laughs> but uh, Black Friday, the name was coined in, 1960, in the 1960s, many of you know, because uh, back in that day they actually used uh, red and black pens for helmets. So, of course, when the Christmas season came along, those retailers were able to pull out those uh, black pens and get out of the red. of some people who are very excited. And one lady's going to get some M&Ms, I bet. But the uh, uh, next picture, well, maybe not as excited. <laughs> yeah, not sure what's going on there. In fact, sadly enough, uh, seven people have died in the West Bay. All the technology that's out there, 66% in their personal economic situation. I thought that was just really interesting. <laughs> you know, that would have been the way 20 years ago. But, uh, of course, we love our technology, and, of course, a lot of people worship their technology, and that's why you have such a high response here, is that uh, a lot of people are hooked on toys, uh, whatever the toy might be, technology or or else uh, people value the most over God. And, of course, we always have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us uh, to worship. It's not, not worship other things other than God and not put anything uh, before Him. Well, we as Christ followers have the greatest reason to be thankful 
Thanksgiving Day is year-round for us. It's always a part of our lives. And I want to conclude this series on happiness in God. Amen? We're going to talk about learning how to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving.
So while we live in this broken world, we're going to have failures. We are like trees in this wilderness. That's what we're like. The only thing that's like perfect is the Lord. And as it goes through trials, we see that the Lord God is like the tree. He's a light. 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 He's a light.
unbeliever is rich with the gospel, right? Isn't that a beautiful thing when we, we share the gospel with a person, when we are witness to them, plant gospel seeds in their lives, that when they make that decision, we were a part of making them rich, spiritually rich, even though they might be very poor here on earth. So he's contrasting these two, two views as having nothing from the cultural view, yet possessing everything. You see why you got to need to meditate on these verses and really keep it in front of you all the time because it's so counterintuitive to the way that we think and the way our culture is. We've just got to continue to remind ourselves, I am not a citizen of this earth. And if you ask yourself the question, where are you more? Look at uh, God's providence. Uh, same thing as as God's sovereignty in that He's in control of everything, but has a little different twist to it in terms of the idea that it's focused on the purpose, on the purpose of why God is doing what He's doing. So here's a definition of providence. Providence is a means by which God directs all things, both animate and inanimate, seen and unseen, good and evil, toward a worthy purpose, which means his will must finally prevail. The idea is that God is in control of everything, and he's got a plan, and he's going to get that plan done. That can give us confidence, right? Because many times we're very uncertain and think the world is falling apart, which it is, but God's all in control. He knows what's going on. And, of course, uh, we find this tremendous truth in Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So he works for you you if you know Jesus. If you're a citizen of heaven, he's working on your behalf for the good who have been called according to his purpose. So that means even when bad things happen in your life, he's working for your good. Now, many times again, we get confused, abundant life, good life. It's defined differently in our culture. But when he says good, it means that he's developing our character. We're becoming more holy. We're becoming more dependent on him. That's what he wants more than anything, is that we would walk with him day by day in dependence on him. And sometimes the only way that he can do that is to allow certain things into our lives that, that, that breaks our pride and brings us to our knees. And uh, that is a better thing than life going smoothly. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? But you've got to view it from God's viewpoint. In fact, that's what we've been doing through this whole series, looking at the attributes of God. How does God view life? Who is God? What is He doing? Why are all these things happening? And again, the, the more you understand about God, the more... You can have a godly view of this life. Now we go to Galatians 5.22. It says, Rejoice always. Where does that joy come from? 
but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and it goes on. So the Holy Spirit comes into you when you become a Christ follower. And then He's working in you to, to grow fruit in your life. Fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now these are, this is supernatural fruit. This is fruit that tastes really, really good. It's unbelievable fruit because it really doesn't make sense that you would grow impatience when you're a very impatient person. That you'd be a joyful person when you used to be so critical. That's, that's what happens. You know, we talk about the spiritual disciplines of Bible study and prayer and you know, studying the Word with other people, coming to church. All those things are doing is preparing us to live life. And that is that we might bear fruit, that we might give glory to God. So, again, you have to be walking with the Spirit and asking Him to transform your mind day by day because it's a long and slow process. I never, you know, in putting messages together, I, I never want to beat people down. I do need to speak the truth from the Word of God. Uh, I just want to encourage people, okay, hey, if you're getting off track here, you've got to repent and you've got to get back on track. And when you get back on track, then you can move in the way that God wants you to. So when we look at all these different commands, like rejoice always and uh, pray unceasingly and uh, always be thankful for saying, oh, there's no way I can do that. Well, yeah, that was, you know, Paul. He could say that because he was a super saint. <laughs> no, he was writing it for us, for you and me, just average people who have, of course, uh, become children of God. So, what's a biblical uh, definition of joy? Biblical joy is the emotion that is rooted in the confidence that God is in perfect control. See, even when you're going through pain, even when life is not working out, it, it, I mean, it is far from what you ever dreamed that it would be. You can have the confidence that God is in control. And he's doing things in your life you're not even aware of. And that's why you can be joyful. Not like a jump up and down joy, but it's joyfulness and emotion built on the fact that God is behind all this, that he's going to help you, that he's going to carry you. And I know this is a very sensitive, sensitive subject because you know, when you're dealing with pain, it's so hard. I was talking with a guy who... Has dealt with chronic pain for 15 years, and you know other people like that, and it's like how how do they do it? You know, well, if they're Christ followers, they're they're sustained by His strength, and that was part of the plan for that person's life, and that really is kind of whoa, wait a second, you know, we talked about this earlier about God's plan for the world and how he uses even difficult things to grow us. But see, friends, this is why it's so important that you feed on the word daily because you know, you're constantly listening to media and other things and, and seeing uh, our culture's view of life. But you need to be in the word daily and just get God's viewpoint on life. And be instructed on how to live for Him on a daily basis. That is the number one way you grow in the Christian life, is self-discovery. Sitting down with the Word and you know, going through it, meditating upon it, 
that daily time with God. You know, it's not a legalistic type of thing. You know, you know get all discouraged because you miss two days. <laughs> the important thing is you make it just a regular part of your life. Because that, that's going to get the grit off your glasses. Okay? Because every day you go through the... You go through this world and you get some grit on your glasses, you know, and you see other people doing this, and then you got, you got your uh, sinful desires, and you just have to keep coming back to uh, the power source. And look at James 1 2. All right? It says, Consider if you're joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, if you were to go to a co worker this week and show him this verse, he said, isn't that, isn't that so true? <laughs> they would think you were nuts. This is written by an insane man. Nobody wants problems. And even trials of many kinds. I mean, he opens it all the way up. And I have just little trials. But the biggest trial you could have, any trial you have, you should be joyful about it. Is he on drugs or something? What's going on? That doesn't make sense. We don't want it to make sense. Well, friends, again, we go back to how God views life. And He is preparing us for heaven. He's making us more and more holy. Now, that's God's desire, is that you would have that dependent relationship on Him and that you would grow in holiness. Not that you would have the right job or write this or have the dream life you had in your head but that you would grow in holiness. And to truly grow in the Christian life, you have to own that. You have to own that. Why, why, why do we have pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds? Well, uh, James 1 goes on to talk about it's all about character development and God working in your life. So when a new problem comes into your life, uh, you eventually, usually it's not right away, <laughs> Uh, but you say, Lord, thank you. Uh, you know, think about it this week. How many times did you thank God for a problem in your life? Thanks for sending this problem into my life to make me more like you. Well, that, that's a head turner, right? Thanking God for frustrations. Thanking God for difficult people. Thanking God for health issues. Thank God for financial problems. I know that you're going to use this if I respond in the right way to use me, uh, use me to grow. And this goes back to the same thing we've been talking about. Friends, nothing is certain in this life. In relationship with your spouse, your kids, uh, your job, your financial status. At any point, any of those things could be taken away from you. And when people lose what they're hoping in, uh, they really go into, of course, deep depression. Some people take their lives. The point is, is that your hope has to be in God. And, and it's easy when, you know, things are going well and, and you're kind of like more home, at the wor- home uh, in the world here than as a citizen of heaven. But as soon as things go down, you go, what's going on? And you, you, you get all mad at God and God is, and it's okay to express your emotions to God, but God is saying, hey, listen. I didn't promise you any of that stuff. You know, I bless you incredibly already. And uh, this is just something the Holy Spirit has to work into your mind because it really is a deep truth, but it's a, a truth that touches every day of our lives because we all have challenges and we get frustrated and we get angry and we wonder where God is. 
but that's why it's so important you understand this. So th- th- this is how a person should live. Psalm 28:7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to Him. So what the psalmist is saying, God is the center and focus of my life. He is the number one person. I mean, I live for Him. He is my Lord. I submit to Him. And I enjoy all the wonderful things He's given me in this life. I mean, God's given us so much to enjoy. But at the same time, I'm not going to put my hope in that stuff because it can go away at any time. And uh, look over at Luke 2.10. This is when the angels appeared to the shepherds and they were proclaiming uh, that uh, Jesus Christ is to be born. The angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. What is he talking about here? <laughs> are they, or what are they talking about? They're talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he was coming to earth to pay the penalty uh, for their sin. I mean, that is the best news. And friends, in order for you to appreciate this different view of life that God has that we need to have, we need to realize what we've been rescued from, like we've talked about. We need to realize who God is. And, and we need to focus all of our you know, mental energy as God guides us to walking with Him and seeing life in that way in order that we might uh, stay on track. So this is great news. And I tell you what, friends, as I think about myself being a Christian for many, 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 many years, uh, you know, sometimes I'm so blind because uh, I'm consumed with my agenda and what needs to be done during the day. And I just forget about uh, the lost people around me sometimes. And, and here we're, we're, we're struggling as Christ followers, right, to, to get life straight and have God's point of view. But they, don't, they have no idea what God's point of view of life is. And they're promised all these things by our culture and all of a sudden it doesn't work out. And you have all kinds of challenges and problems, divorces, addictions. It goes on and on and on. And they're lost or confused, but they don't want to admit it. Well, friends, we, our mission as a church is to tell them there's a different way to live. You have not yet fulfilled why you're here on earth. And that is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we will continue to teach that. We will continue. I'll continue to challenge you. In fact, when you came in, you got these uh, postcards. We put these together for a our Christmas uh, series. And uh, we're trying to get some novelty with it to attract uh, people. So it's a Christmas carol. We're going to step through that story and talk about tripped up by the ghost of Christmas past, uh, fighting against the ghost of Christmas present, dreams of Christmas yet to come. And then we're going to have Christmas Eve in the round. So the stage will be right there in the center. So it'll really be a nice, uh, intimate time to celebrate uh, God's great gift uh, to us. So what I'm asking you is, I want to challenge you uh, in this area, is you, well, if if your wife or spouse is here, you have 20 cards, okay? I only want you to take those cards that you know you're going to do something with. Okay, I mean, just don't take them to take them. 
Okay? Because we really want to get these out to people. We really want to see lives change. As we've seen this past fall, I don't know, maybe 10 individuals coming to Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Let's praise the Lord for that, huh? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Lives that were renewed. Lives that were, you know, just uh, transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So, this is what the plan is, is that you take as many as you think. And first of all, of course, you invite people who you think might come. And you know, Christmas, Easter, the fall are usually the best time uh, to invite people out. Church. In terms of autumn, you always should be inviting people uh, closer to Jesus. But they're a lot more likely to come at the beginning of a new school year or Christmas or Easter. So this is a big season coming up here in order to uh, communicate the gospel uh, to people. And so uh, you can, again... Pass them out to people that you know. And I would encourage you to pray. You know, pray. But write down the names of people on a card that you're going to give this to and just pray that they would come. And what I would do is I'd start out with Christmas Eve, okay? Because uh, if they are available, they're most likely to come because everybody knows you have to go to Christmas service and Easter service to go to heaven, right? I mean, they're called the Christers, right? As long as you hit those two services... You got a pretty good shot. Well, of course, that is heresy. <laughs> That's not the gospel, right? Okay. Uh, the point being is, but ask them for Christmas Eve in the round, and they'll probably say no because they have plans. That's fine. Hey, if I, it, there's something inviting somebody out for Christmas Eve. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, that, that's something I do. <laughs> but then you say, well, you know what? We've got three other Sundays here, too, where we're talking about this. So we'd love to have you come. Uh, so that's a way to approach that. But you've got to cover it with prayer every time you talk to somebody. And then also what we're going to do uh, is I want you to take as many cards as you feel uh, that your family uh, or yourself can deliver in your neighborhood or another neighborhood. <laughs> if you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> You know, I mean, some people, I, I've done this all the time. Back in my first church, we did 10,000 in an afternoon. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be outside. Come on, let's step up and be courageous here, okay, guys? I mean, people are suffering for the gospel. We can suffer, and probably nobody's going to say anything. But we're just saying, oh, everybody's looking at me. I think I'm weird. Not Forget that. Yeah, you are weird. You're an alien. Did you remember that? You're an alien. You're a stranger here. And you're trying to get as many people to come with you as possible to the real home. And if that means walking down the street, putting one of these postcards in a screen door or closing it on a screen door. Can't put it in the mailbox. But doing that, who knows? Just if one person came out, people are, ah, stupid church. You know, well, they're saying... They don't like Jesus Christ. That's what they're saying. <laughs> Strong connection there. Uh, but there are people out there who will look at that and say, uh, I'm going to do it. You know, Maybe they haven't said I'll do it for a long time, but they're going to do it uh, at that point. All right, so we have extras. In fact, next Sunday, I'm going to be going out, and I hope some people will join me. Uh, we're going to have pizza here, and we're going to uh, just distribute uh, these flyers for a couple hours and uh, be a great time. So if you're interested in joining us, join us for that little party there of uh, uh, taking the gospel to our neighbors 
uh, just write a postcard uh, on the back of your communication slip, and we'll put you down for that. Uh, so let's continue here uh, in First uh, Thessalonians 5:18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we covered in all circumstances. That, that's a key thing. But it, it's interesting how strong a theme Thanksgiving is in the Bible. As I as I was studying it, I, wow, that, that is, it's interesting. Look at Ephesians 5, 3, and 4. But sexual immorality and all impurity, so any type of sexual sin or any type of sin, or covetousness, well, that goes on this time of year, uh, must not even be named among you as proper among the saints. Don't do that. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. You know what the word swear word is, right? Uh, it's God. Ten Commandments, right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. But I'll hear Christ followers saying, oh, my God, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you have a friend that's doing that, say, hey, <laughs> I'm sorry that all these other words are flowed to your mind. But uh, <laughs> it says you use the name of God or Jesus Christ as an obscenity or in frustration or something of that nature. Uh, don't do that. It'd be better to use one of the other words. Of course, you shouldn't do that either, but that's just how holy uh, God is. Which are out of place. So he's telling them all kinds of things about their sex lives, about all types of sins. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Hmm, that's odd. I mean, he talks about just a plethora of sins. And he said, don't sin, be thankful. That's interesting, isn't it? Ephesians 5.18, They do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We talked about that last week. And uh, I was reading that uh, many times uh, pagans uh, would get drunk to worship their gods. <laughs> okay? Take them to another state, that's for sure. Uh, but Ephesians 5.19.20 says, Addressing one another in psalms. This is when you're filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. There it is again. You study the New Testament, it's all over the place. It's with everything. Philippians 4.6, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer, okay, makes sense. I'm anxious about something. I'm going to pray about it. Supplication, all right. With thanksgiving, what's that doing in there? Where'd that come from? I'm just asking God to do something for me. Why am I thanking Him? <laughs> because that is the, the nature of a Christ follower. As he matures, he is thanking God. You say, what do I have to thank God for? Well, you can just go through the last... Uh, nine weeks of messages or your your book that uh, you might be reading uh, from Chip Ingram. And, and you see, that's the thing is, even if life is at its worst, you can still celebrate God in your life. You can still celebrate that someday you'll be free from whatever burden and you'll be in heaven. And I know that's very difficult and a lot of emotions there, but that is the truth. That is the truth no matter what is going on in our lives. We can be thankful that we are children of God, and then the thousand things that come our way and beyond because of that. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. This is how we're to walk. 
every day. This is how we become holy. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught with thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. What's the deal with that? How about just with thanksgiving? That would make more sense to me. Okay, yeah, you're doing all this stuff and you thank the Lord once in a while. No! You abound with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving should be a part of your life on a daily basis. Of course, you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to encourage you in that way. But you need to take that initiative so the Holy Spirit can join you abounding in thanksgiving. And again, we can just so be incredibly grateful for Jesus Christ's sacrifice and the fact that we are children of God. What more do we need? What better job do you need? What better house do you need? What is that issue in your life where you're saying, well, I can't thank God until I get that? No way. He gave His Son for you. You're a child of God. You're going to spend eternity with Him. And I know a lot of you are going through difficult times. And, and, and of course, you know, I, I uh, empathize so much with that. And I go through difficult times. And, and so I was always preaching to myself. But uh, no matter how bad it is, you can just thank God for being God. Uh, he's your dad. Right? Yeah. You have to work at it, though, and the Holy Spirit's going to fuel your efforts. All right. Now, and I love this last passage here. Um, this is Paul and Silas. This is an illustration of all we've been talking about. Viewing life from God's viewpoint instead of from a culture. So they were in Philippi. And they cast the demon out of this one girl who was uh, a fortune teller, uh, who was making a lot of money. Uh, for the local economy. And uh, she couldn't do it anymore. They, 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 they were quite upset. <laughs> so in verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them. So, so they stripped their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. A very serious situation. And when they inflicted many blows upon them. I mean, if we were to go through all the, the physical suffering that Paul went through, it, it's just incredible. But I mean, they beat him almost to death. I don't know. I, it wasn't pleasant. They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, they put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the socks. Okay. Think of yourself. Now you, you were there and God did a miracle through you and then they ripped off your clothes, and they started beating you to death. A lot of passion and emotion. You know, they had a, uh, you know, a container of all these rods. They are just kind of passing them out to everybody. <laughs> Beat these guys, you know. What they looked like when it was done. I mean, they were bleeding, obviously, probably in many places. They were bruised, obviously, in many places. Uh, maybe their bones were broken. I don't know. But it doesn't sound like... Uh, a situation you're going to come out of uh, real quickly. Now, this is tribulation for Paul and Silas. This is pain. This is some, no, none of us would want to be in this position. So they're in prison. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas 
were nursing their wounds. Paul and Silas were whining to God about, Why did you do this to me? Uh, Will we ever be able to walk again? (laughs) Paul and Silas were praying and singing with hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And it goes on about, of course, the Philippian jailer. That says it all right there. That passage. I look at that passage and I said, Lord, I don't think I'll ever be that mature. (laughs) But I I just want to grow a little bit each day. You know, grow from where you're at. Take that step forward. And when problems come your way, uh, change the way you look at them. And you have to do it daily. You can write it down in a journal and write down the different issues you have. And these are all tests. These are all classes that God has given me in holiness. It's just a, it's a phenomenal way to look at life because it's God's way. Let's pray. My rushers come forward this time. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for, oh, this, oh, your word is so rich and uh, we get so confused in life about what we want and what's a good life and all that kind of stuff, but we just come back to your word and you define it very, very clearly. And we want to thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen.